yes, hello everybody and welcome to the third episode of Knowledge with Homage. I am your host, David Castle, also known as Homage. Today's talk on the 2nd of May 2019 will be about white snakes and digital clouds, otherwise known as chemtrails, geoengineering, weather modification, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. There's plenty of different words for the same thing. Basically, it's the things that are being spread into our skies every single day all across the world. A very important issue that often gets overlooked, completely on purpose, by the way. Nobody's really talking about this except people in the alternative movement or whatever you want to call that. Um, it's just something no one's talking about, you know? It's happening right in front of our faces, right above our heads, but no one wants to go out a limb and actually talk about it because they haven't been told to by an authority figure. That's basically exactly why. Um, it also has to do with the psychological phenomenon known as cognitive dissonance, which present, which prevents people from acknowledging that certain things are happening because it goes against their their existing belief system. So they just can't accept it. It's just... It's too crazy, man. They don't want to believe it because it, it turns the whole world upside down. They don't want to believe that these people in power, these authority figures, would do something so evil and so horrible as spraying toxic chemicals all over the population of the entire world. But that's exactly what they are doing and it has been happening for a long time, at least 20 years. Probably longer than that, though. I mean, they've been experimenting on the people for a very, very long time. And it all has to do with controlling the people keeping everyone in line, reducing the population, transhumanism. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into this. And we will come to that later on. But first, I want to start out with my personal experience with the subject and just kind of give you some background on where I came from because I think it's a pretty interesting story and it's something that a lot of people might relate to um, who are, who's listening to this. And I realize with this podcast, I'm probably preaching to the choir here to be honest, I don't think anyone's even listening yet. Nonetheless, I'm still going to give you my story and let you know uh, where I come from and, and what I think about this whole thing and kind of let you know my personal experience with what happened. So when I was first introduced to to chemtrails, uh, when I first heard the term and, and kind of had someone explain to me what was happening very vaguely, I think I was in high school. In fact, I know it was in, I was in high school. I was probably like 16 years old. And somebody had mentioned that, you know, these lines we see in the sky is a result of the government spraying us with these chemicals because they're trying to kill us or or control the weather or, or whatever. I, I didn't really get a good explanation for why it was happening. I was just told that that was happening. And I f remember, you know, very uh, accurately thinking that that was crazy and there was no way that that could be happening because everybody would know, everybody would do something about it, and... uh it just, there's no way it could really happen. Just like what I used to think about 9-11. I used to think there was no way that that could have been an inside job or perpetrated by anyone other than Al-Qaeda, like was the official story. But uh turns out I had a lot, I had a lot to learn. Um, later on, I got introduced to, you know, various documentaries, various articles, um, books, and things of that nature. That kind of made me think of think differently about it because I realized there's so much science behind it and there's a lot of history you know documented history and verifiable government documents and and things like that which explain the existence of weather modification and spraying things into the atmosphere for various purposes and a history of the United States government testing out different drugs and chemicals 
on the population without the population knowing. I mean, it's well documented that the U.S. government in the 1960s tested out LSD on unsuspecting people. It might have even happened before that, but I mean, they've done it a bunch of times. They used to, they've released certain chemicals in subways, spread shit over certain towns and whatnot, and this is all documented and came out in FOIA requests, which is the Freedom of Information Act, and different documents like that. So these are official government documents saying, hey, we experimented with this, you know, in quotations, experimented. Uh, on our own people because that's what we do, you know. We're the United States government and we care, so we're going to spray you with a bunch of shit. Anyways, yeah, so it came to my realization that, man, it really does seem that this is actually happening. And I started to observe these chemtrails or, you know, whatever you want to call them. I know chemtrails is a, is a word that people don't like to use, and I understand why, because it was actually introduced into the public consciousness by the United States Air Force itself, it actually comes from a uh, a training manual for the Air Force talking about these trails that they use to <laughs> spray chemicals out of the back of the airplane. And that's that actually comes from the government itself. So, you know, to say it's a conspiracy theory, I mean, I understand why people say that because they don't want to believe in it. They don't want to do the research. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to seem different from the people around them. And they don't want their worldview to be shattered. But in all actuality, the word chemtrail and the terminology comes from the U.S. government, which is probably another reason why we shouldn't use it, because they're always promoting disinformation and fucking with the public consciousness and trying to skew the official narrative and stuff. Uh, Another word for it could be geoengineering, you know, whatever. A lot of the times chemtrails get confused for contrails, and that's a good scapegoat is to say that, oh no, those are just condensation trails, they're not chemical trails. But how the fuck could you even know unless you go up there and you you actually test the stuff that's up there in the atmosphere? I mean, you can't really know. It's just contrails are just a, a good excuse to cover up what's really happening. And what's really happening is truly unbelievable. I mean, it's just on a massive scale and it's just, it's the craziest thing to ever happen in the history of the world. I, I truly believe that. I believe there's nothing that has ever happened that was even close to the scale of this operation and nothing that will impact the world more than this. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go back to when I was first starting to find out about this and observe what was happening. So I used to look up in the sky, and I mean, I still do to this day, but I've always been very observant of my surroundings and always kept an eye on the sky because we have a beautiful sky here. I'm in the high desert of Nevada, and we're supposed to have 300 sunny days a year. It doesn't really rain that much here. It's often big blue skies and just gigantic desert where you can see for a hundred miles so it's pretty amazing and it's fun to watch the clouds when there is some because it's just a a really cool looking scenery but i would notice that these planes would come by and they completely drown out the blue sky they would spray all these lines in different geometric formations you know they would do gridding layers uh like tic-tac-toe patterns and stuff and then eventually it would spread apart and cover up the whole sky and this was something i saw happen day after day and I started observing it while I was at work. I had a break. I'd be outside, and we'd be up there. We'd be out there looking at uh, what was happening, looking at these planes spray all this shit into the sky. And you could see one plane leaving a big old trail, and then a plane right next to it, seemingly at the same altitude. You can't really tell unless you're really up there. But it looked like they're around the same altitude, and then that plane wasn't leaving any sort of line. So you know, like what was happening, that doesn't make any sense. The official story or the explanation they give you for contrails is that at a certain altitude and when the conditions are right with the humidity, 
the humidity and whatnot. Uh, there will be a condensation trail due to water vapor coming out as a byproduct of the combustion in the engines. So that's what leaves this white line in the sky, and it's supposed to dissipate. Um, but it's definitely not supposed to go out and spread over the whole sky as it was doing. So, I mean, we saw it happen day after day, and it was so clear that it was happening. And then there would be storms and stuff, like it'd be a completely blue day, not supposed to rain, not supposed to get windy or whatever, and then they would spray the sky all day. And then the next day it would rain, or it would rain in Reno, you know, north of us, or... You know, they can create a storm, like they could spray a certain area to make a storm hundreds of miles away, if that makes sense, because you already have the clouds all in formation, they absorb the water vapor and stuff, and then you can go create a storm somewhere else. But anyways, so I, I saw it was happening. I mean, it was it was extremely clear. It's just people didn't want to admit it. They didn't want to acknowledge the existence of it because because of cognitive dissonance, because they don't want to admit it to themselves. I mean, it's it's a personal thing they need an authority figure to tell them that that's just the way people have been trained through school and through the news media and things of that nature they think if something like this was happening there would be somebody on the news telling them immediately because that's what the movies say that's what they were led to believe in school by their teachers and you know it's all part of the system you know they got the they're very in tune with the behavior of the people and how they'll respond to certain situations, and chemtrails is just one of those things. So I saw it was happening, and uh, I, I was doing research all the time, and I remember watching this one video where this guy, his, he went by the name of Dutch Synths on uh, YouTube, and I used to watch his stuff a lot because he pointed out interesting anomalies on radar images that just didn't make sense, and like there would be flashes of rings, he called them harp rings, which had to do the with the uh, high-frequency active aurora research project installation in Gakona, Alaska, known as HARP. Um, which was an ionospheric heater. But anyway, so, so he saw these weird radar images. They were like these circulate, circular halo-looking things that occurred over certain regions of the world. And then after that, there would be an incredible storm. Uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, whatever. It would flash. It would flash. There was like a pulsation of energy, and then all of a sudden there would be a storm. So I thought this guy's work was really interesting. He was kind of just looking at radar images and pointing out weird stuff and showing when there was a storm. So I was staying up to date with that, and then on one of his episodes, he mentioned that there was a certain, uh, like, government-funded education system, almost like a college. It was just a, it's just another branch of the government, and it was called the Desert Research Institute. So it was a research institute. College students go there, but they also have scientists working there. It's basically a big science facility where they're doing all this cutting-edge research or whatever. And this one particular one called the Desert Research Institute was very heavily involved in weather modification. And it happened to be right here in Reno, uh, right next to where I live, like, like 25, 30 minutes away. Right next to a community college, which I know a lot of people who have went there. It's called the Truckee Meadows Community College up there in Reno, Nevada. So the Desert Research Institute is right next to TMCC. Uh, it's a gigantic building, you know, multi, multi millions of dollars, all government funded, taxpayer funded, rather. And their job is to modify the weather. It's to spray things into the atmosphere and manipulate weather systems over the Sierra Nevada mountain range. That's officially what they say they do. And they're also doing research on drones, you know, releasing out silver iodide particulates with unmanned drones over the sky. And of course, it's all for research purposes. They're not really doing anything. You know, they're just they're just trying it out and seeing if it can be done. 
that's what they always say. They say, hey, we might do this in the future. Of course, we're not doing it now. I mean, we're thinking about it. Meanwhile, they're doing it the whole fucking time, and they've experimented with it long ago. I mean, the technology has been in place for a really long time, and they've been doing it the whole time. They just think we're fucking stupid and naive, which most of us are, honestly. I mean, I mean, look at look at what's happening. Anyway, so I found out that the Desert Research Institute was doing all this weather modification right here in my own backyard. So I looked him up on the internet, and I got the phone number of the Director of Weather Modification. That's an actual title of a person who lived there. I believe his name was Jeff. I forget his last name, but I specifically remember that his first name was Jeff. And uh, I was like, fuck, I'm going to call this guy. Why not? Like, I'm going to call him, and I'm going to try to set up an interview and go talk to this guy. I'm going to blow the lid off the whole chemtrail situation and save the world. And I was like, sick, so I'm going to do that. So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to call this guy. Uh, I remember I was at work, and there was a guy I used to work with. His name was Ed, still a good friend of mine. Uh, Older gentleman, really, really funny guy, but he was all about the chemtrail thing too. I mean, he'd been seeing it for years before anyone even mentioned that it was a thing. He's just an observant dude, and he always knew it was bullshit and that you know, it was uh, done for nefarious purposes, obviously. That's why it's kept under wraps. But anybody who's observant of the sky can see that it's happening. You know, and they might not always talk about it because it's taboo, but you can still see this happening. Anyway, so I decided to make a phone call to good old Jeff at the Desert Research Institute. Jeff is the director of weather modification, and his phone number was just listed right there on the website. So I'm like, holy shit, I'm calling Jeff. And I gave him a ring. He answered the phone, and I said, you know, hello? Is this Jeff? He says, yes. You know, Desert of Re- or Desert Research Institute Director of Weather Modification at your service or something along those lines. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy was really easy to reach. This is weird. <laughs> and I introduced myself as an independent filmmaker. I said that I was doing research into weather modification and just wanted to learn more about it. And I was really interested in the work that he was doing. So I wanted to schedule an interview with him and, and see what he could tell me about the issue about weather modification, and since he was the director of weather modification, obviously he was the guy to go to. And he was really flattered by this thing. He was, like, really happy to be contacted and to be have his existence acknowledged, I guess, because the response he gave me, he said, well, you know, I'm really busy today, and, uh, man, I don't know if I can work it into my schedule. How about you come by tomorrow? And I'm like, holy shit, this, this fucking idiot. He says, just come by tomorrow. All right, I'll be there. So, uh... That night, I get together all these questions. I write like a 100 note cards worth of questions that I'm going to ask this guy. I was really going to grill him and just fucking get him to admit to some shit, you know? And uh, I, I literally did. I made like a 100 note cards. And then the next day, I dressed up all nice, uh, like button-up shirt and shit. And then I brought Ed with me. And Ed's older. He has like all white hair. And the guy's no, I've known the guy since I was born, you know, he's like one of my dad's best friends. So I got him to come with me too to kind of make it like more legit. I didn't want to go by myself. I wanted to have him with me because we're going into some multi-million dollar top secret government installation. It's just this fucking idiot just answered the phone and was like, yeah, come on in, you know, I'll, I'll put you on the list and then we'll let you in and stuff. And we're like, holy shit, okay. So yeah, the next day, dress all up, dress up all nice, uh, me and Ed, I, I borrow a tripod from my friend Luis Mora, who is now a, a hotshot skateboard dude on YouTube, if you know Luis Mora Picks, if you're into skating. Uh, I borrowed a borrowed his tripod, uh, got my VX2000, which is a camera, and then, uh, fuck, we're off the next day, the next morning. And we get in there. I remember walking into the building. It was a really, really big 
super nice building. And uh, heavy security around it, too. Like, you can't go into this shit all willy-nilly. You can go into, like, the front part, but to get in the back where they're doing all the research and the actual work, you need to have, uh, like, a special key card and all sorts of scans and, you know, like, some Mission Impossible shit. So we get in there, and then the secretary is sitting behind the desk, uh, very, very big lobby foyer area. And we say, hey, uh, we're, we're here to see Jeff, the director of weather modification. He should have told you guys about it. And we're just here to do an interview with Jeff, and we're independent filmmakers. And the girl the girl looks at us like, who the fuck are these guys, you know? But we were dressed up really nice, so it's kind of like they didn't know. She's like, well, where are you guys from? I was like, oh, well, I'm a filmmaker. You know, I've made many films, so fucking don't worry about it, bitch, you know? <laughs> just let me in. And then she's like, okay, well, go ahead. And so we're like, oh, holy shit, let's do it. And then... uh. We get taken, uh, actually, no, Jeff comes down to meet us in the foyer. He comes and grabs us, he in, we introduce ourselves, and he kind of looks at us in a weird way, like, like who the fuck are these guys? Because, you know, I'm like 18 or 19 at this point, and then uh, I'm just with Ed, who's like 50-something. <laughs> we, were a, we were a funny sight to see. We definitely didn't look legit, but we looked just legit enough. We're basically con men at this point, trying to uh, slide in under the radar and get the, get the scoop, you know, like some true journalists. So Jeff comes down and gets us, and then uh, we're, we go into this elevator. He scans his key card, and we go up to this, this secret area where his office is that only you know special people can go to. It's just a regular office. I mean, nothing crazy. It didn't look like anything crazy. It just looked like a bunch of cubicles and stuff. So he takes us into his office, and then I set up all my camera equipment and stuff, and then uh, I start the interview. I just start off by asking him some simple questions and stuff, but to make a long story short, you know, I started, I whipped out all the, the note cards and there was like a hundred of them and he saw that and he was kind of taken aback. He's like, holy shit, this is a little more than uh, what I bargained for, you know? And I started asking the difficult questions, you know, about like the chemtrails and what they're spraying in the sky and, you know, why does this happen? Why does that happen? And I remember just catching him in, in all these these lies and these things that didn't make sense where he's trying to cover his tracks and seem like they weren't doing things that they were actually doing. And uh, about yeah, like 30 or so minutes into it, like he, he would say something and then I would call him out on it, which probably wasn't good on my part as an interviewer. I, I probably could have gotten to say more by not doing that. But I was just, I knew he was lying and stuff. So I, I would call him out, and he ended up getting, like, really, really mad. He got fucking pissed. And then he kicked this out. He's like, you know what? This interview is done. Get out of my office. You're never coming back here. Blah, blah, blah. You're trying to get, you're trying to get me to admit to something that I'm not going to admit to. And that thing that he wouldn't admit to was the fact that they were spraying aerosols into the sky. He, he admitted to them spraying uh, silver iodide, but he insisted that those were only released through flares. And silver iodide is toxic in itself to people, but the only thing he would actually admit to was the fact that uh, they would fly jets and release silver iodide into storms that were already forming in order to boost precipitation because silver iodide worked as a, uh, a nucleus, like a, a they call it a condensation nuclei. Basically, in order for condensation to happen, in order for water vapor to go from a vapor into an actual liquid, you have to have something called a, a condensation nuclei, which is just a little particle of something that's floating in the atmosphere. That way, the water vapor can latch onto it. It can actually form a water droplet. And that's the way clouds are made. So his explanation was, 
they spray the sky with this these silver iodide flares. Actually, they don't spray anything. It's just these flares, according to him. And it releases these little uh, particles into the atmosphere, which the existing water vapor in the atmosphere attaches to, creating water droplets, creating clouds, creating storms, and creating rain, and, and so forth. Um, he admitted to that, but I was like, well, why is it that I see on, on these crystal clear blue days when no one should be spraying anything or releasing any sort of flares because there's no storm system in sight? Why is it that I see these planes go by and leave these grid patterns which look so intentional because they're geometric patterns? And why do I see them cover up the whole sky with these clouds that come out of these planes? And I was just asking questions like this, you know, just... Not questions that were, I wasn't being a dick or anything. I was just asking questions about things that I saw. And he just got really pissed because he realized that he couldn't answer these questions because they were doing it. I mean, it's fucking obvious they're doing it. So he got super mad, kicked us out of his office, um, called us all kinds of these names and stuff. It was actually really funny because I wasn't mad and Ed wasn't mad. We thought it was really funny because, fuck, we just made this scientist guy who's supposed to be so smart the director of weather modification, we're just two regular guys who work in a machine shop. And uh, fuck, we pissed him off. It was hilarious. And we really made him lose, lose his cool and stuff. And uh, he threw us out. And shit, we're just like, I went to shake his hand after. And I was like, hey, man, I, I'm sorry I made you angry and stuff. But I really appreciate you giving me this interview. And uh, hopefully no hard feelings. I went out to shake his hand. And then he said, I believe I already shook your hand. And uh, holy shit, me and Ed looked at each other, and we just started laughing. And then he stormed off and went back into his office and slammed the door. And uh, meanwhile, me and Ed are just kind of stuck there because we don't have any of the key codes. We don't even know how to get out of this place. And we're just stuck in this this crazy like government facility just all by ourselves because <laughs> our guide just got pissed off and ditched us. So we're like, where do we go? You know, and... Uh, we like just start walking and opening doors and stuff, and eventually... We end out we end up outside but not like where you can actually leave. We're in this little yard area that's all fenced off with barbed wire and stuff. And uh shit, we have no way to get out. We're just stuck. We're trapped in here because the guy got mad and left us. And then this guy walks up. This guy walks up to us and he's really tall. <laughs> he's like seven feet tall. We call it we call him the freak. As me and Ed. You know, we got this whole little story that we talk to each other. Uh eventually because it's a really funny story but this guy comes walking up he says uh hey are, are you guys the filmmakers and obviously because we're holding cameras and stuff and got all this equipment and we're like yeah did uh did jeff send you here he said oh no 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 he didn't say anything to me i was just uh taking a walk and hoping i could find you somehow and we're like oh okay well cool um yeah so we were interviewing jeff and he got really mad when we started asking questions about planes spraying stuff into the sky and questions about uh, chemtrails and things like that and geoengineering. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you guys from? <laughs> we're like, well, we're independent filmmakers. Um, we're just making a movie. And, you know, trying to find out about weather modification. We figured this would be the right place to come. And uh, we we're just wondering why Jeff got so mad that when we asked about chemtrails, like, listen, man, we know it's real. We know it's really happening. And he was like nodding his head. He's like, yeah, yeah. And we're filming this, by the way. The whole thing. And he's like, is that thing on? And after he just admitted to chemtrails being real, kind of as a side thing. Uh, anyways, it was just really weird. He came out to get us. It turned out that this guy was the uh, public relations manager. So he's the guy who creates the image 
for the corporation to portray to the public. Basically, he's like the professional liar. He's the propagandist. Uh, the father of public relations is, uh, shit, what the hell is his name? The guy who wrote the book on it. I don't know. I have the, I have the book. It's called Propaganda, and there's this guy who invented it in the early 1900s. But that's basically what public relations is, and that's who this guy was. And he told us that we should have never been able to call Jeff, the director of weather modification, directly. We should have went through him in order to schedule this interview, and then he would dictate what can and cannot be said in order to prevent things like what just happened. <laughs> so obviously Jeff called this guy, told him what happened and stuff, and then um, this guy came out to kind of like smooth over the situation and shit, get information on us probably because he's part of, you know, he's one of the higher up dudes in uh, the operation. I'm sure he answers to someone and uh, it's it's a whole big structure, you know. So they can't just do interviews without people, you know, signing off on it. It has to be approved and stuff like they don't want certain information getting out. So that's why he was mad at uh, the guy Jeff for scheduling the interview himself and, and doing it all himself. Anyways, we, we get out of there. He, like, walked us out, and he wanted, like, all our information and stuff because I'm sure he put us on some sort of list or whatever as, uh, you know, dissidents or, or people who are, you know, suspected terrorists or whatever just because we got questions. But that was just a, it was a crazy experience, you know, seeing how, how pissed off this guy got. Uh, when we started asking about chemtrails and just knowing that it's happening right in our own backyard. And I'm sure they have these installations all over America and probably all over the world because it has to be headquartered somewhere. And there's just a bunch of different places that it's happening at. Most people don't even know that weather modification exists, let alone that there's one, you know, right next to their house if you live where I live. And like I said, I'm sure it's happening all over and they're doing this research all over. And it's all funded through the taxpayer money. It's all filtered in through different grants and whatnot to different foundations and colleges and stuff. So kind of hard to trace the money or whatever. But at the end of the day, we're paying for this stuff ourselves. It's being paid for by the taxpayer. So that was like my first major experience with like getting into the uh, actual industry and and figuring out what's what's going on firsthand, which was really interesting. Um, It turns out we called them back like a year later just to fuck with them. Just to see, because he got so mad at us. And it's just, we find this so hilarious. So we wanted to call him and like give him a little prank call. So we called the Desert Research Institute and we asked for him. And they said that, uh, oh, he doesn't work here anymore. He got fired. And we're like, no way. When did he get fired? He said, uh, oh, it was about, uh, you know, this many months ago. Which added up, it was exactly when we were there. So basically, we were like, well, why did he get fired? And he said, Oh, well, he did something he wasn't supposed to, uh, some sort of interview or whatever, and he ended up getting really mad, and then uh, he's just not allowed to do that, so we had to let him go. And we're like, holy shit, that's totally us. Like, we got this guy fired. I'm not necessarily proud of it, but, you know, it was his own fault for saying yes to the interview, And but at the same time, fuck this guy, you know? They're spraying all this shit on us, and these are the type of people doing this. It's not like it's big, bad, evil villains or something. It's just regular dudes who are, like, scientists who are just doing it for money. I mean, they're doing it for the money, whatever reason it might be, but it's just normal people. It's not fucking aliens. It's not, you know, demons or whatever. It's just regular motherfuckers like Jeff who are doing this shit. So, it's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. But anyways, yeah, he ended up getting getting fired for that, which I find 
pretty amusing. You know, fuck him. Let's fire him all. But then again, I'm sure the guy he got replaced by was is probably even worse, right? He's just better at following instructions and shit. Anyways, so that happened. And um, in 2015, I read a book called Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. It's written by Elena Freeland. And she's an incredible author, a great researcher, very, very intelligent. And this book is just full of information. It basically goes through the history of weather modification and things like that and into the actual purpose of chemtrails and you know who's doing it and why it's happening and all this shit it's just an incredible book i mean it's it's a little hard to digest because it's a lot of scientific information but i've always been good at understanding that kind of stuff i went to school for science and it's just been something i've always gotten you know it just i don't know it makes sense to me but i i decided to write a song called uh, digital clouds and it was basically based on the information in this book and kind of put into layman's terms and turned into a rap song. So I made that song. I recorded it. Uh, we made a music video for it. And this was like the first thing I released uh, musically, like my first music video. And it ended up just blowing up. Like I, I sent it to all these blogs and stuff and Facebook groups that had to do with geoengineering and chemtrails and all that type of stuff. And uh, it just people started spreading it and. Like overnight, I just got hit up by so many people. It was like, it just, it was one of those things that kind of went like viral, but like a little bit. It didn't get like 10 million views or whatever, but it was just kind of a lot. And I remember it just being crazy, having all these people reach out to me, all these activists and whatnot. They were just so stoked that we made this video. So that was cool. I mean, you know, I I put it out and uh, the information was out there and it started being spread all throughout this, this like underground community of activists and they liked the song like it got used in a few different documentaries um i remember this this one guy hitting me up and uh he he wanted put me on like a billboard or something that never happened but i did get into a calendar which is cool the guy's name was greg uh fuck i forget greg's last name super nice guy though and he's just really involved in the movement but then I got like, I started getting the scoop on the movement too, which is like the anti-chemtrail movement or whatever, which I never signed up for this. I just wrote a song, dude. Like I was just writing about what I thought. And uh, it was just one song. Like I've written a bunch of different songs, but this is like the one I'm known for or whatever. I'm suddenly I'm the fucking chemtrail guy or whatever, which is cool. You know, I want to stop just as much as the next guy. But anyways, it was it was just weird. And uh, I I... I remember talking to more people who were like involved in the movement and trying to expose what was really going on and and making videos or whatever and and holding conferences and stuff to kind of expose things. And then I realized that there was like a bunch of they call them shills in the movement, like people who release contradictory information in order to obfuscate the data in order to confuse things and and muddle muddy the waters, uh, if you will. And they're like these government, like CIA agents who infiltrate these movements and spread a bunch of bullshit. Like some of the stuff they say will be true, but then some of it won't. So it'll lead people astray. And this is just, it's a disinformation tactic that that the CIA uses and, and different organizations like this in order to infiltrate movements and just kind of make sure they don't go anywhere and, and fuck with them and stuff. And this happened with a lot of movements throughout throughout history i mean it happened you know with people who are against the vietnam war i think the black panthers were infiltrated by these people i mean it just it's just something that happens you know it's like when people go undercover 
and join the fucking Hell's Angels and stuff. There's people doing this in the chemtrail movement. And it's just it was just weird to see that. I was like, holy shit, it's like I'm in a soap opera, you know? Because this guy, they're telling me, well, you know, you can't trust this guy. And, and oh, this guy's done some really weird, questionable stuff. So we kind of think he works for the government. And then, like... They're just going over all these people who uh, whose documentaries I'd actually seen. And oh, fuck it, I'll just say it. The guy's name is uh, Dane Wigington. And he runs... Uh, fuck, he he made the movie. I think it's What in the World Are They Spraying or something like that. And uh, he's just one of those guys that's like promoting this dinf- disinformation. And it just seems like... He'll say some stuff that isn't true. And then he'll just completely ignore certain certain aspects of it. Which is the way they they fuck with these movements is by inserting these people and then giving them some money and then having them like gain a majority of the followers for this movement, and it's just really effective. And it was just crazy to learn about that. It's like, what the fuck? This is weird, man. And all of a sudden, I'm just thrust into it. It's like I'm part of it. I did some like interviews and podcasts and and talked to people about what I knew about chemtrails and stuff and and what I thought about it. And it was uh, it was really interesting, you know, kind of started getting reached out to by a lot of different people. And something interesting started happening when I started doing these uh, interviews. I, I did one, and I remember talking about Elena Freeland's book and about geoengineering and, and the whole chemtrail thing. And then also talking about another book called Where Did the Towers Go, which is written by another incredible woman named Judy Wood. And that was about 9-11. It was about the the supposed terrorist attacks of 9-11, but she goes into talking about how a uh, basically a directed energy weapon, some sort of energy beam, was used to like disintegrate the towers and make them turn them into dust, basically in midair. And it's a very well well written book, well documented. It's all scientific research. She is the most qualified person to write this book. She was a uh, structural engineer, I believe. Um. Just trained in all the right shit to really know what was happening. And then she did the complete analyst of it. I mean, if you look at this book, it's like a textbook. It's like 500 pages or something. I read the whole thing front to back. So I was I was pretty knowledgeable on that. So I talked about that a bunch too. And then a uh, weird coincidence. We'll put that in uh, quotations. A weird thing happened the next morning. I go out to go to work and then my tires are slashed. Somebody popped the tires in my truck. And I'm like, fuck, that's kind of weird. I didn't know if it was because I did this uh, interview. Like, what, are they sending out some CIA agent to pop my tires? Like, what the fuck? Like, that doesn't make sense. You know, that's dumb. And then, uh, I don't know. It could have been a girl or something that was pissed off at me. I think that's more likely. But then again, it could have been, fuck, I don't know. Maybe maybe they do do that. How am I supposed to know? Maybe they just want to piss you off a little bit. You know, if you do something bad, they'll, they'll fuck with you a little bit. But then it happened again, like a a few days later. Somebody popped my tires again. I'm like, what the fuck? So that was just weird. Like, that's never happened to me. I don't have, like, a bunch of enemies or anything. I'm, like, pretty well-liked by people. And even if with girls or something, when we break up, it's always pretty civil. I never get in no big-ass blowout fights or something. And I don't see crazy girls who would do that stuff either. So it was just really weird that after I would do that interview, all of a sudden, like, my tires get slashed, which has never happened to me before either. And uh, it was some, something weird happened, too, after I released the video. I remember having this incredible anxiety attack after I released that video, Digital Clouds. I don't know why, which I don't get anxiety attacks either. It was just I felt, I don't even know how to describe how I felt. It was just not normal. I just felt fucking weird. 
like something was happening to me that was just making me like incredibly sad and depressed and like just have so much anxiety and I had never felt that either and uh you know I mean I'm not saying somebody did something to me or whatever but I'm I know it's possible that that they have that technology in order to like lock in on certain people and make them feel certain emotions I mean that's part of the what these ionospheric heaters can do and uh you know, there's there's whole books on this. Nick Begich, Nick Begich uh, wrote an entire book on that. He also wrote a book called uh, um, Angels Don't Play This Harp. That was the first book about harp. But he also wrote a book called Controlling the Human Mind, which he goes into all this technology where using a technology called cyclotronic resonance, they can use electromagnetic waves to resonate with a certain frequency in the brain, causing you to feel certain emotions and causing people to do all kinds of crazy shit. And they've been doing this research, you know, since the 50s with this guy named Jose Delgado sticking electrodes into people's brains and uh, these little transponders and stuff and sending little electromagnetic waves into people to mess with their brains. So this goes back a long ways. I know it sounds crazy, but... I mean, look at your cell phones. Look at how much technology we have on the cell phones. And that's just what's in the public domain. Think about what they got locked up behind closed doors and stuff, you know? So it's not crazy to think that that they can do this stuff and manipulate people's brains with certain electromagnetic waves or something because they do do it. And, you know, there's like plenty of people who've come out about it and stuff. It's just not in the mainstream. But anyways, I don't know if that's what happened to me. I just remember feeling really, really weird that night I put out that video for Digital Clouds. So anyways, I do that. I do some interviews. Uh, weird stuff happens. My tires get slashed and whatnot. But um, it, let me go back to when I first started learning about chemtrails too. I remember I used to try to tell people about it because I felt really strongly about it. I was like, man, this is important. You know, People have to know this is like the craziest thing ever. So I'd always try to talk to people and get them to look in the sky. And I remember being really passionate about it and a little abrasive too. I remember almost getting into fights with people and shit and just people weren't having it. You know, they just, they would call me conspiracy theorists. They'd call me all these names and stuff. And I'd be like, fuck you, dude. You know, I'd kind of get mad too. And then Anyways, I just never really got through to anyone, which is, I realize that's not the right way to approach it. People have to realize things for themselves. Otherwise, they're going to be really, really against it. They're just not going to want to accept it because their brains cannot cannot compute, you know, error. There's an error message going off in their brain when they hear that kind of stuff. So that was that was really weird. I just remember even after coming out with that video and people knowing the song and even liking the song, they still didn't like believe in it. They're like, yeah, those are cool song man it's pretty catchy but i mean like what's it even about like you really believe that shit and stuff it's like dude you're a fucking idiot but uh after that i was really i was kind of going after the rap thing so i was kind of riding a good wave there i was like oh shit people like like my music so i'm gonna keep making music uh there was this thing happening in in brooklyn new york it was a contest like a rap contest you go there and you spit 16 bars which is like one verse and then if they like you, you know, you like win and you get you get put on basically and they give you a bunch of money and stuff and and they just help you out musically. It's just like a good thing. And this was in 2016. It was put on by a group called Team Backpack. And Team Backpack is uh pretty big in the in the rap world for doing events such as this. And basically looking back on it, what it is is they're they're like they're making a bunch of money. First of all, you got to give them like three or four hundred dollars to even be able to go there. And then once you go there, like first you submit this little freestyle, and then if they think you're dope, 
they'll be like, yeah, come out here. Uh, it's only three or $400 for this ticket. And then, you know, possibly you'll win. But then you get there and there's like 500 other wannabe rappers who also gave them 500 bucks. And then it's just this little event. And I don't know, man, the whole shit's kind of a joke now looking back on it. But maybe I'm just bitter because I suck and I didn't win or something. But (laughs) they made a shitload of money off of this thing and, you know, a few people won. So it's just, you know, it's a business and I understand. And uh, But they're playing on people's hopes and dreams, which there's a lot of people who really, really want to do the music thing. And they'll fucking pay money in order to do that. And the people at Team Backpack know that. So they throw this event, get a bunch of people out there, fucking have a bunch of people rap on stage in front of a big group of people. And then uh, it was pretty fun, though. I met like a bunch of interesting people so that was really cool but let me get into another story which is uh something really crazy so while I was there at this event in Brooklyn I went there by myself I stayed at an Airbnb and I just went to this event like I was there for a week in New York City and uh just chilling and I went there for this event because maybe I would win I don't know I went there and I think it was after I did my verse, maybe on like the second day or something, I was hanging outside the venue. And like I said, the venue was in Brooklyn and it was like a cool spot. It was just this big warehouse type thing that they set up a stage on and stuff. And I remember going outside the venue because I I was sick of rap at that point. It's like everyone's rapping and freestyling and there's like 700 people that are all trying to be rappers. And it's just like, man, this shit's kind of whack. Like, I kind of don't even even want to be a rapper anymore after seeing all these people, you know? Like, I don't know. I just wasn't into it. So I went out and just hung out, like, by myself across the street, and I was just drinking a beer and, like, just chilling, you know? And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me, and uh, he's this Indian guy with the ponytail, and he introduces himself, and, like, he just started hanging around. We just started chilling. And uh, he gets a couple beers, too. We're just chilling and talking and stuff, and he was a nice enough dude but now looking back on it, he was like suspiciously nice. You know, it's like, and why did he come up to me and want to hang out and stuff? It was just really weird. And then he kept saying that he wanted to take me to this uh, this studio in Queens, in Jamaica, Queens. He said his homie's got this studio that's super legit. And he wanted to take me there so he could show it to me. And uh, I could like rap there or whatever. And I'm like, nah, that's cool, man. Like, I don't even know this dude. Like, why the fuck is he inviting me to some studio? He doesn't even know me. He doesn't know any of my music or anything. Like, what the fuck? And uh, he's like, oh, come on, man. It'll be fun. Like, how many of these other guys can say they went to a to a real studio in New York City? And I'm like, yeah, man, nah, I'm cool. But as we kept hanging out, you know, a couple hours go by, we're, we're drinking tall cans and stuff. I, I get gain a little more confidence or stupidity more like. Uh, he kept, he keeps asking me this thing, and he's like, do you want to come? Like, let's go, dude. It'll be fun. We'll fucking take the train there and, and go check it out. Like, why not? What else do you have to do? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Fuck it. Let's go. Because I trusted this dude for whatever reason, and he just seemed legit. And uh, so we go, and we take the train. You know, we hop the train. We don't even pay for the train. We just hop over the shit, jump on the subway, and then we go to Jamaica, Queens. And that's pretty far away. It's like an hour away or something from Brooklyn. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't live in New York City. I'm, I'm going off my memory. But I remember it being a journey to get there. And by this time, it's already like 10 or 11. It's getting kind of late. And then um, so we get there to this dude's house. And as we're walking up, you know, he tells me, he's like, hey, man, this guy used to used to like sell a bunch of coke or something or sell a bunch of drugs and then some people shot up his house once, so now, and it's like a home studio, so he's telling me, like, 
how this guy used to be a drug dealer, but now he's not. But now he like kind of sells weed or something. And I'm like, okay, well, why are you, why are you even telling me this? He's like, well, I want him to, I'm going to ask him to front me an ounce of weed, okay? So like, but I can't do it with you there because he doesn't know you. So I'm going to ask you to go get some beer while I ask him for some weed. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I guess that makes sense. You're just trying to get a little butt or whatever. And then he doesn't know me, so that he's suspicious and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not from there. I don't know how people do shit. Yeah, I, I totally understand if, someone, if a drug dealer's suspicious. Fucking drug dealers are su- suspicious. That's just the way it goes. And I'm like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Just give me some weed, you know? <laughs> and uh, we get there, and it's this Jamaican guy. And uh, fuck, what was his name? I forget his name, but I just remember he was super Jamaican. And he was like an older dude. He's like 40 or 50 or something. And we get in there, we're chilling, and uh, he says that thing. He's like, hey, uh, want my homie to go get some beer? And then uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go get some beer. And I went and picked up some Red Stripe, you know, as a courtesy to the Jamaican dude. And then I get back, and uh, we just started drinking, smoked some weed, listening to Beats. And I remember they were really into 50 Cent, because apparently 50 Cent's from Jamaica, Queens. And uh, we're just listening to all these beats and just freestyling and stuff. And uh, and it turned out the Indian guy freestyled a little bit. And I, I'm talking Native American Indian, not like from India, Indian. But, um... I started learning, we started like telling these stories and we get on the topic of like the New World Order and Illuminati and shit like that. And then it turns out that this guy, the Indian dude, was staying at the French embassy with some woman and that his stepdad was the fucking chief of some tribe in South Dakota. And then right after that, which is weird, that that whole shit happened with the pipeline. Remember the pipeline in South Dakota where all these these people from that tribe in South Dakota were like fucking protesting and it was all in the news and it was like this crazy thing his dad was the chief of that tribe his stepdad and he was talking about how his dad went to iraq to do some missionary work and then got fucking kidnapped by sudam and then muhammad ali went and saved his dad and like got him out of jail and i was like what this is the craziest fucking story i've ever heard so your dad the indian chief went to iraq to to do some peace work he called it peace work like he's spreading peace or whatever and then Saddam threw him in jail, and then the only person, he said the only person from America that Saddam Hussein, that Saddam Hussein would talk to was Muhammad Ali. And then Muhammad Ali flew to fucking Iraq and then freed all these people. And that's actually happened. Like, that's a fact that that happened. Did you guys know that? Like, I didn't know that. And I was just like, that's fucking weird. And then he's talking about how he was, like, on some retreat, some fucking Indian thing where they're, like, riding horses around and stuff. And then he met some kid who's just like wandering through the fucking desert or the, the South Dakota or whatever and needed a place to stay. So we took this kid in and it turns out this kid was a Rockefeller. This kid was like an heir to the Rockefeller dynasty, super fucking rich. And just they became good friends with him. And the kid took him to New York to all these mansions and stuff like like the Mr. Deeds movie with uh, Adam Sandler. Like that's how it sounded like. I was like, well, this is fucking weird, man. So this guy, this guy's dad got kidnapped by Hussein and then... uh he knows the Rockefellers. Okay, this is a weird coincidences. But my, I wasn't really on like alarm. I wasn't on alert because I was drinking and stuff and I like trusted this dude. And then the other Jamaican dude starts talking about how he knows the fucking Rothschilds. Like his wife used to work for the Rothschilds. I'm like, what the fuck? This is weird as shit. So this guy knows the Rockefellers. This other Jamaican dude knows the fucking Rothschilds. Like what an unlo- unlikely combo. Like an Indian guy and a Jamaican guy. Like... 
those are supposed to be the two trust you know trustworthy motherfuckers you know <laughs> i could understand if it was like some white agent smith looking motherfuckers in some suits coming up to me and doing this shit i'd be like no way but it's it's like these dudes who are really like unsuspecting you know they just look really casual and stuff but it was really weird the links and the ties that they had and it turns out they had met through the rockefeller kid like that's how they met and all this stuff was like i was kind of raising red flags in my mind and stuff and then anyways we we continued smoking weed and just chilling and like they seemed cool and stuff so i'm leaving now it's like two or three in the morning and i'm like dude i gotta find my way back to brooklyn Luckily, I wrote down the instructions in my phone, like what buses to take and stuff, or I mean, what subways, or else I probably ne- never would have got back to the place I was staying. But um, so we're, we leave the spot, right? Say peace out to the Jamaican dude, and then the Indian guy was staying somewhere in Queens, apparently at the French embassy with some chick who works for the French French embassy. But now I'm looking back, I don't know if I believe any of this shit. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to know, you know? But uh. I remember asking him about the weed, right? Because remember, he said he was going to send me off to get some beer so he could buy some weed. And he didn't want me there. So I was like, oh, yeah, did you ever get that weed? And he's like, "He's like, huh? He's like, what weed? I was like, dude, you, you said that you were going to, like, that's why I went to go get beer. You're going to ask him for some weed. He's like, oh, 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 uh, yeah, no, he he uh didn't have any or, like, wouldn't give me any or whatever. And I was like, okay, this, like, I could tell he's obviously fucking lying about it now. And I'm like, why the fuck did he want me to leave? So it was, it was just really weird, you know? And I'm like putting all these pieces together in my head. And things were just really weird. So he left, went his separate ways. And then I start walking, you know, at 3 in the morning, fucking New York City in Jamaica, Queens. Like, I don't know where the fuck I'm at. I'm looking for the subway. And then all of a sudden, all this weird shit starts happening with my eyes. I start seeing all these, like, bright flashes and stuff that's never happened. I've always had perfect eyes. But... I'm seeing all these flashes and, and just really weird stuff. And I remember having this huge anxiety attack and feeling super depressed and just feeling really, really weird. Like, I've, I've never had these feelings before. And all of a sudden, after I leave there with these two suspicious motherfuckers, I start having all this weird shit happen to me. And it's like, dude, it was just so fucking weird, man. Like, I don't know what they did. You know, I don't... I, it was just... I don't know, man. I don't know how to describe it. Anyways, I eventually got back to where I was staying. I went to sleep, and then I woke up the next day, and I had all these things floating around in my eye. And I found out later they were called floaters because I've never had them before. I never, I didn't even know what they were. I just knew there was like this weird stuff floating around in my eye. And then when I, if it was really dark and I looked around, I would see these flashes out of the corner of my eye, which had never happened. All of a sudden, it just happens when I leave this house with these people. And, uh, man, like, I get home from my trip, and this shit's just, you know, it's still going. It's there all the time. Like, even when I close my eyes, like, 24-7, this stuff is going on with my eyes, and it's really, really weird because I've never had any eye problems. I've had, like, the best eyesight of anyone I know. Like, I could see shit so far away. I've never needed glasses. I've never needed contacts. I've never needed anything like that. And then I get home, and I have all this weird shit going on with my eye, and it's like, what the fuck, you know? It was, like, depressing, dude. It was a weird time in my life. I'm like, what the fuck happened? And I didn't even, like, suspect them that much at that time. I just thought it was, I don't know, just something weird. That's It's going to go away in a couple of days, you know? 
but I told my dad what was happening and uh, he was really concerned immediately. He's like, what? Like, what is happening? You're seeing these flashes and these floaters? Like, that's not normal because his uh, one of his his ex-wife had had MS and she had had some weird problems with her eyes where she like went blind in one eye. So he's like, you got to go to the eye doctor like immediately. So I went to the optometrist, got this whole examination. He scares the shit out of me and tells me I might have a torn retina and I'm going blind. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? So I'm like freaking out, man. I'm going to lose my eyesight all of a sudden. And like, what the fuck? And I came in and described to you what that feeling is like. It's just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. He recommended that I go to an ophthalmologist immediately so he could save my eyeball because it seems like I have a torn retina. And I'm just, you know, beside myself. But uh, I go to the ophthalmologist and get this whole examination. They dilate my eyes with these crazy eye drops. Look into it with a crazy fucking camera. Take all these pictures. Do all these tests. And uh, meanwhile, in the ophthalmologist's office, I'm the only person who is under the age of like 75. Like I'm I'm fucking 20 years old or something. And I'm like 22. I don't know how old. I think I was like 22, yeah. And uh, everyone else is like 75, 80 years old. I'm like, what the fuck, man? This shouldn't be happening to me. This is for old people. And, uh, but there I was, you know, and they run all these tests and he finds out, you know, thank God I'm, I don't have a torn retina. It's just these these things in my eye and he called it this shit in the, there's a part of the back of the eye which is called the vitreous fluid basically it's this fluid in the back of your eye and then sometimes this little chunk of this stuff will like break off and then start floating around in the eye and then the reason why people see floaters is not because they're actually seeing this shit floating in their eye they're seeing like a shadow of it when the light goes through your eye i don't know the eyes are very complex it's it's a really weird thing um he just said don't really worry about it but if it we'll make a appointment for three months later you come back and then hopefully it's not any worse and then we'll kind of have a better idea of what it is and I'm like okay well that's kind of reassuring he didn't do anything he didn't help me he just told me I'm probably not going blind I might but I'm probably not okay thanks dude so uh come back three months later and the shit's way worse like these things it's not just this vitreous fluid in my eye it's like something growing in there and like a little organism like fucking reproducing and taking over my eye because there's more and more and I could see it like in my eye and uh it's just getting way crazier right and he's like oh shit like oh these aren't like regular floaters uh so yeah it started asking me all these questions do I did I come into contact with any sort of fungus or parasites or did I go to the jungle? Did I go like somewhere really exotic? I'm like, no, dude, I didn't go anywhere. Like I went to New York. That's where I went. But that's, you know, the concrete jungle, if that counts. <laughs> but um, he turned out he was t- fucking wrong. And then so he sent me to get all these other tests. I did a bunch of blood tests. I did a bunch of x-rays. All this shit, man. And they just couldn't figure out what it was. It's just a, it's just a complete mystery. What's going on in my eye. And, uh, Man, they just didn't know, dude. Like, they still don't know. And then I was like, this motherfucker's not helping me at all. He didn't have any solutions. Nothing he could do for me. Meanwhile, my eyes are just getting all bad. And uh, I didn't know why. And then that was the point when I realized, like, how weird it was, what was happening in my eye, and how, like, not normal it was, and and the situations which led to it. Like, the, the second I left there with these two suspicious dudes is when this shit started happening. So I'm like, man, why, like, 
it seems like these people did something to me. I know how crazy that sounds. And I, I would try to tell people, right? Like, there's only a few people I told. And the only reason I feel comfortable uh, speaking about it on here is because I know that, well, first of all, no one's even listening to this shit, probably, like, only a few people. And if uh, whoever is listening, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, and you guys are already open-minded enough to kind of, like, understand what's happening. So, like, it just really seemed like these people did something. Maybe they put something in what I smoked. Like, what the fuck was it? Like, these... I don't know, man, these little nanobots or some shit, just shit didn't make sense. It seems like there's something living in my eye and taking it over. And then I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like if if uh, I was a threat or whatever and they were mad at me for making this song about digital clouds, which obviously I assume that's what's going on, like why wouldn't they just kill me? What the fuck? They just put a bullet in my head or whatever. Why you just fuck up my eye? But then... Man, maybe it was like a year later. I don't know. I, I listened to this guy named Alan Watt. Not to be confused with Alan Watts, who was this Buddhist guy. I'm talking about Alan Watt, who is this really cool researcher who does all these talks. And he has a website called Cutting Through the Matrix. That's also what his podcast is called. It's called Cutting Through the Matrix. I highly recommend it. Very, very intelligent dude who has a lot we can learn from him. But I remember hearing him in one of his talks say that throughout history... You know, there's been this this fucking whatever you want to call it, Illuminati uh, people in control of the world who have always maintained power, and this goes back to like ancient times, and they've always been doing it. And then whenever someone tries to fucking expose them for what they're doing and like catches on to what they're doing, they'll blind them in the eye, like for seeing too much. Blind the eye of he who sees too much. That's like an old Freemason term, and you know, like the the all seeing eye in the in the fucking pyramid. Right. That's that's because they're illuminated. They they see more than the average person. So they're very interested in symbolism. So maybe like that it, it rang a bell in my head. I'm like, oh, shit, maybe that's why. Maybe they're, it's like a symbolic thing. They're fucking trying to blind the eye. If he, he who sees too much, I saw too much and fucking sang about too much. And now all of a sudden they blind in my eye. And uh I don't know, man. Maybe that's too fucking far out there. I just wanted to relay that story. I'm still living with the eye thing, and now it's in both eyes, and things are just all crazy, man. I've been trying, like, alternative remedies. I noticed that certain things I eat make it worse or make it better, and, like, acidic things make it way worse. And I've talked to people in the chemtrail community, like activists and stuff, and they fucking totally think that they did something to me i mean there's a lot of stories of people getting really fucked with by these people you know like they don't fuck around dude um i don't know i just wanted to relay that story to you and let you know what's going on to me i mean i still have it happening all the time i see it right now in my eyes it's in both eyes now and i I don't want to tell this story to like bitch or whatever and complain about what's happening i just want to let you know that this happened to me and this is my experience so you know it is what it is I wouldn't like take back the song um, because people enjoy it and stuff and I understand it. And who knows, maybe that, maybe there's, it's all coincidence. And for some reason, you know, this mysterious infection just happened out of nowhere and I'm the only one who has it. I don't know. Um, But I know it's just a very weird chain of events. And uh, fucking A, here I am though. And I'm still alive and I'm not silenced by any means. You know, if that was their goal, dude, I don't know, man. It's just it's just a very strange thing. So at least I got that out there in the open. And, uh, man, that's taken up a lot of time just telling these few stories. And I don't, I don't mean, I know the 
chemtrail thing is a it's a global thing and it involves all of us. And I will talk about that in the next talk, just kind of like the purpose of what's going on with geoengineering and what they're spraying and why they're doing it and and what the goal is of it and stuff. But I just I think it's interesting to start with my personal experience with the subject and kind of lend more of a human factor into it. Because, you know, we're real people. This is happening to individuals, you know? It's easy to think of people as a whole and, like, there's 7 billion of us and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's all individuals. It's one mind. It's one brain. It's it's one fucking person, and there's a lot that one person can do. There's a lot that you can do and a lot that you're capable of, and that's the ultimate enemy of this system is the individual and a person with a mind. And a person who's willing to fucking speak out and and do what they got to do and be different, you know, and use your own mind and stuff. So I hope you take something away from this talk. Um, I hope it doesn't like depress you or whatever. And just know that I'm doing great. You know, there's I'm I'm doing fine. So it's all fucking good. Just wanted to let you know what's happening. And that is episode three of Knowledge with Homage with an emphasis on digital clouds for today. Uh, I'll be doing my next talk sometime soon. I'm trying to put them out weekly. So I hope you enjoyed this talk. I hope I didn't ramble on and uh, repeat myself too much. Um, And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Love each other. Be good for each other. Fucking do all that good stuff. Hug and kiss your family. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.